Welcome back to another exciting episode of Division's Tech Talk. Today we are honored to have with us once again Vlad Mukachev, an expert in blockchain solutions, AI chatbots, AI avatars, and biometric verification. In our previous episode, we delved into the world of Web3 in fintech, and today we'll continue our exploration with Vlad's valuable insights. So Vlad, do you believe that Web3 brings greater transparency to the internet, allowing individuals to have ownership of different processes, assets, or anything digital? Thanks a lot for the introduction. Some people associate Web3 with purely the financial side of it, that someone is able to sell something, someone is able to produce and sell, but other people are more focused on the whole aspect of digital ownership. So very broadly, of course, do you think Web3 has more to do with the financial aspect or is it still more just with general ownership of the internet, of all of the digital stuff? Yeah, good question. Thank you. So in my opinion, it's not mostly the financial aspects or the monetization, let's call it this way, the actual value proposition and the real potential of Web3. It is what currently is recognized and praised for, and probably the majority of the projects are running in this direction. But this is correlation with crypto. For me, this is only one of the aspects. The other aspect, and probably the most important, is about the ownership and the privacy. So the Web3 concept for me and the value that it can bring to a lot of different domains and verticals is the actual ownership and the privacy and the control that the actual owner can have to the information, being it art, product, service, whatever. One thing that I just wanted to mention, because it's very interesting now, how I feel, I don't know how to call it, but let's call it the hybrid approach. Because Web3 is definitely down now, and uh, it's not the peak, many companies are trying to find a hybrid approach of Web2 and Web3. And very often what I see now is when people say it's Web3, it's actually kind of like a fake, fake Web3 process. For example, now you can log in with Google into your Web3 wallet. You can pay for something with a credit or debit card. So the trend I'm seeing is that, yes, something is still web-free, but a lot of the infrastructure around it is becoming very basic, traditional web-2 that we always already had. So a question for you, maybe you have an answer. The way I saw web-free initially is that it has to be fully web-free and we have to fully transition to new infrastructure to follow all of these new principles. Similar to how you build like a railway track you need a new train that fits the railway track. You need new fuel. You need everything new to build the new infrastructure. So talking about Web3, do we have to fully transition to everything new? Or do you think Web3 could easily become this integrated thing into Web2? Or is there a hybrid model? Because I see very different people. Some are, you could say, sort of more radical. <laughs> I'm not sure if that's the right word, but they say, okay, we need only web-free infrastructure. We won't use anything web-2. Some people are more, let's call it liberal, and they say, okay, web-2 is fine, web-3 is fine. So 
what is your take on this? Yeah. Well, for me, it's similar with EV mobility. I mean, we have the petrol and gas engines. Mm -hmm. We have the new EVs. And everybody is talking about this transition. Should be more radical or not. It will require like a lot of new infrastructure, but there is already currently on the market existing one. Mm -hmm. So it's a matter of adoption. And the actual users, companies, clients will decide in which way it will go. For me, I will take some hybrid model. I mean, I still think the current internet can exist and qualify with the Web3 mm -hmm. and can integrate and merge into one. So we can have like the current centralized environments, projects, platform that can communicate with new decentralized Web3 applications, platforms, and this shouldn't be a problem. But But okay. What do you think, actually? Uh, similar to your example, because I love the example with the EVs and, and sort of the cars. But talking about cars specifically, a lot of innovation, let's call it that, actually comes from the government. Even in the UK, for example, you don't pay tax on electric cars. You don't pay tax like congestion charge if you have a car that is newer. So what I'm trying to say is a lot of the adoption starts from the top because it's in the interest of the government to enable further adoption of a certain technology. With web free, it's it's like the analogy definitely works. I agree. But where it, I feel it doesn't work is I feel like it's just people, enthusiasts, obviously VCs, startups are pushing this. Yeah. And for example, someone big like the government or even big, big companies, they're like, It's good, thank you, but they're not that eager to promote this. And this is what I'm I think the hard question is, you know, where should this adoption come from? Because I remember even a year or two ago, everyone was saying adoption should come from users, right? But then users are saying we can't see any use cases for web free, so we don't need a wallet, for example. Yeah. And this is an ongoing issue. And unless the government, for example, well, if we're talking about like very, very high level, if we're talking about a government, I don't know, issuing um, something in a web-free form, will it, will, would really mass adoption come? I don't know, like maybe you have a take on this? Like where should this adoption come from? Yeah, well, I totally agree with you that currently it's mostly the enthusiasts, innovators, who are behind the scenes and running and pushing the technology and the innovation in the Web3 space and crypto in general. This is mostly due to the problems with the regulation and compliance. And unfortunately, currently in the last year too, this is getting even more difficult. And there are different institutions and countries acting and taking different measures. Some are like totally blocking this and stopping it and fighting it. Others are more liberal and are doing some regulations that can potentially, once they are clear, this can create a lot of potential for the actual B2B and uh, enterprise and institutional grade organizations to step in and actually try to launch projects and invest into the space. 
So for me, in the next two years, this process will enhance and speed up. And if there is like regulation clarity, compliance clarity, this can be a really good thing for the Web3 space. And actually, we can see a lot of different funds and incentives from the government from big organizations that can really speed up the adoption. But will this happen when it will? I cannot say for sure. I was about to give an example of UAE, because especially in Dubai, they are very, very sort of heavily investing and promoting the entire web free space. And I think the wider problem is many of the countries and many of the governments, they do not have the risk or the appetite to do new things. And this is, I think, one of the main reasons why we're seeing countries from the Middle East innovating, because they really want to become innovative, become developed. In the meantime, even in the UK, I think the process is really slow. I've been to many conferences, many trade shows where many kind of uh, committee members, many people are saying, yes, UK needs to be at the forefront of AI or web free or whatever the topic is. But nothing happens at the end of the day. So what I'm trying to say is, I think the difficult reality is that probably in many countries, we'll just have to wait another, I don't know, 10, 20, 30 years, or we will have to move to countries that are trying to adopt the solutions quicker. And there's probably no quicker way to especially web-free adoption. But uh, yeah, I think that's what's going to happen. Yeah. I agree with you, but I don't think we should wait 20 or 30 years. <laughs> I think with the current... Yeah, that's a bit too long. Yeah, current pace of the world globalization, things will happen much, much quicker, even in more not-so-developed regions in the planet. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. actually, speaking of it, there are really interesting projects in Africa, for example, in the Web3 fintech in places where, you for mean example, like peer to peer? you cannot... You mean like peer-to-peer peer fintech? Yeah, peer-to-peer. Peer-to-peer yeah. and uh, different other use cases about agriculture mm -hmm. in the Web3 space. But yeah, Web3 is a big topic. Last question from me. As we peer into the horizon of fintech, what emerging tech trends do you see as a potential disruptors? Probably in the Web3 or not only. How can fintech entrepreneurs stay ahead of the curve and incorporate these trends into their strategies for future success? Hmm. This is just my subjective opinion, because of course, we could be talking about fintech and technologies all day long, I'm sure. But my opinion on most of the tech that is happening now, whether it's fintech or anything else, I think what's going to happen now is... Mm, like let's call it the gamification era, meaning that I don't necessarily think it's often the problem of technology that improves lives of a user, but it's more to do with the whole experience, the UI, UX, the whole user experience, the engaging gamification factor. Because talking about fintech specifically, I actually think there's potential, for example, like another newer bank that has exactly the same functions like a usual bank that already exists. But for example, their banking app works like a game. 
for example, I don't know, like every day you log into the app, you get like another bonus. Um, I don't know, like you exchange currency and you get something else. You do a test on taxes and you get something else in the app. So I guess what I'm trying to say, and the more, you know, I work with people and the more we just, yeah, the more we work, I think paradoxically, the way to develop very often now is actually by gamifying and like leveling up the whole user experience rather than focusing on a specific technology itself. Because very often, you know, whether it's web free, whether it's AI or anything else, I feel like many companies or people are just starting from a technology and saying, okay, we want to use AI, for example, or web free without really understanding what problem this is solving. And, uh, you know, back to your question, I think, yeah, like if I were to give like one very specific answer, I think gamifying experiences and um, just making any interaction with any, you know, whether it's a fintech app, more enjoyable. And I know that may sound vague, but I really do believe in the times where people are always on social media, the attention span is really short. The way to win is not actually through innovating a, through a technology, but just by somehow capturing more attention and making people stay longer within your app. This is my take on this in, in most cases. Okay, thank you. Yes, this sounds really interesting and we'll definitely see in which direction this will go and whether your observations are right. I think just, just to once again, uh, you know, recap, I guess, whether it's fintech or anything else, everything is really interconnected. So there's always use cases for web free or any other emerging technology. So I'm sure we can always spend days and days talking about all of the tech. But um, yeah, thanks. Thanks a lot for inviting once again. And uh, it was great to talk. Yeah. Thank you, Vlad, for your invaluable insights across these two episodes, shedding quite on the fascinating intersection of Web3 and FinTech. To our listeners, always bear in mind that the financial landscape is continuously evolving. Stay curious and remain at the forefront of innovation. Until next time.